feeling the challenge in order to find the ease where it's like, oh, it's really challenging right now to trust that if I don't have the energy to do something, it's just not the time for it to be done. But I make a choice and I'm like, okay, not going to do this right now. And then a day or a few days or a week later, all of a sudden I, I just have the energy to do it and it gets done effortlessly. How are you? I hope you're cozy wherever you are. Maybe you're on a walk. Are you driving? Are you making dinner? Are you folding laundry? Perhaps you're just sitting and listening and not multitasking. Who knows? I don't know how you consume your podcasts. I'm always multitasking, but I would actually love to know where you're listening. Maybe take a selfie or let me know on the internet in some way, perhaps Instagram. Let it out has its own Instagram. Let it out with three T's. Wherever you are, I'm so happy you're here. If it's your first time, welcome. I'm Katie. This is my podcast. This week is a conversation with Victoria Jane about human design and what's been coming up for us. We kick it off with this goofy story of miscommunication that you'll hear in a second. But if you are new to human design, what is human design? We get into it a little bit in this episode, but basically it's a system of personality typing like Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder, the Enneagram, or astrology. And like astrology, it uses your birth time and place to create your human design type and chart. And it's a pretty intricate system that we get into the background of a little bit in this episode, but not too much because this episode focuses more on the high level aspects of human design charts and how Victoria and I have been using the system lately. But if it's your first time hearing about human design, feel free to look it up, learn more about it, maybe look up your chart. And it's really simple. You just type a bit of information into the internet. We'll put a link of where to do that and go back into my archive. I've had three other human design readers on the show over the last several years. Obviously, due to how much we've talked about it here, it's a system that more so than any of the others that I mentioned makes me feel articulated and has been useful for me. And it's not for everybody, but I do think it's interesting. And I think having information about ourselves as a shared language and a conversation starter can be really fun. And I have enjoyed it. But of course, like take what you want, leave the rest. Those episodes are available to you, but also you can just start with this one. And this conversation, Victoria and I cover how she got into human design after a decade in Silicon Valley. She was burnt out and searching for a way to live with ease. And she discovered her design and it was really useful to her. And eventually it led her to a career in helping other people do the same and now helping other human design readers share human design with more people. 
So we talk about ease versus challenge. We talk about how human design relates to other personality tests like the Enneagram and astrology. We talk about waiting for the invitation, manifesting in human design, alignment, trusting, rest, and creation cycles. I particularly liked that part of the conversation. We learn about new aspects of the human design chart that I didn't really know about before, like our authority and using your solar return, your birthday, and what that means in human design. She talks about that and what she's learning, and it's a it's a really fun conversation. So let's get to that. I'll just leave you with a quick announcement. If you want to learn more about me and my work and in process the workshop that I lead stick around at the end or we'll have the links in the show notes. But one thing to note, my workshop called The Write Kit, which is journaling prompts to connect with yourself more, as well as writing to share. That is 50% off for the month of October only. So like one more week, just this week. So if you want to try it, 50% off. The code is October. And if you like this show, share it with a friend, dive into the archives. Let it out has its own Instagram. Now it's let it out with three T's. I would love to connect with you there and I'll talk to you at the end. I'm so happy that you're here, Victoria. We were texting before we started recording and I went back to my texts and I feel like we have to tell everyone the story. So <laughs> Victoria had me on her podcast, I don't know, a couple months ago, which if anyone's curious about my human design, that episode is for you because we really get into it. And Victoria's wonderful human design reader and coach and writer. And um, you know, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. And it was such an honor to be at, on your show. And you know what? Another thing that I want to say about you... You are so thoughtful. When I have people on the podcast, I usually go to them and I'll bring like flowers or a treat or like I'll pick up bagels if it's in the morning or whatever. I'll bring like a copy of my book I used to do in New York or a gift of like some sort. And I've been on a lot of people's podcasts and not that it's a it's a big deal, but like no one's ever done that for me, which is like fine. And usually they're like over Zoom or whatever. But you sent me a gift after. You sent me a gift certificate to Honey High. And I still haven't used it. I haven't been to Echo Park, but I'm so excited to like take an artist date and like go use my gift certificate. It was so thoughtful and like incredibly kind of you. So thank you for that. Well, you're so welcome. And I'm really glad it landed. And you know, what's funny is we're both also in our human design taste people too. So for me, I'm like, what can I give that I would really enjoy? And like, whenever I'm in LA, I love going to high. So um, I'm happy to hear that, that, that lifted up your day. Well, I'm going to text you on the day that I do it and send you a full report. I haven't been to Honey High since I visited LA, but I, I used to stay in Echo Park sometimes when I would come. And now I live in Highland Park, but I, I would go there and I loved their smoothies. And I remember being there and yeah, so it'll be a real full circle moment to go back and and have a little date with myself. And then when you come visit, we'll have to go together. Yes, amazing. So back to the funny story. So I'm texting her today about like, oh yeah, I'm running a little bit late from getting home. And, and then I look at this text from you about a birthday party for my friend Savannah that was a surprise from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and Victoria <laughs> lives in Arizona. 
I would, of course, have invited you, but we're, we're, you know, we're kind of new friends. You don't know Savannah. And I, (laughs) I, my friend Savannah was having a, we were having a surprise birthday party for her. And I was the one in charge of texting, like in charge of inviting people essentially. And I took on that job thinking like it would be a chill job and it's like the least chill job of the surprise party (laughs) turns out. Like it was so stressful actually. Like the next day, I guess this maybe goes against my design because I'm not, I'm not waiting for the invitation. I'm literally giving the invitation. (laughs) No, no, no. You're good. You're good there. We can, projectors can also like, we can get into that more too, but keep telling the story. It was, yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, so I, I'm like texting everybody. The next day I got a text from our friend, Daniel being like, you know, he saw it on our, our stories and he was like, thanks for the birthday invite. And I was like, shit, I just forgot. Like I, for, you know, it was hard. Like it was, this was a stressful situation. And my friend Victoria didn't come to the party. I have a friend here also named Victoria. And here's why, (laughs) because I sent a text to this Victoria saying, you know, all the details, including the address about this birthday party. And then Victoria, who, you know, is here with us on the podcast right now, texts me back this very thoughtful response like, hey, thanks for the invite. Were you inviting me to this party? Like, clearly you're not. I don't even live in LA. I don't know this person. And I text back thinking it was our other friend Victoria saying, yeah, 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 of course. I would love to see you. Like, please come. Yes, of course you're invited. Because I was thinking Victoria, other Victoria was like, you know, feeling like maybe they weren't in the group or, you know, she's a newer friend. So I just (laughs) didn't invite her at all, which I feel really bad about. But, you know, we figured it out. Today, figured it out. Well, and I feel bad too because I, because I, okay, so I'm like a grandma in some ways, and I usually try to stop looking at my phone like pretty early in the evening, I think, relative to the average person. So after I heard back from you, like, no, no, come, I was like, okay, but I know it's not me, but like, it's, I don't think I got it until the next day, maybe is what happened. And anyway, then I was like, oh no, what about the actual person who's supposed to be invited? So I, Anyway, it all got sorted out, but it's it's a funny, funny little moment with technology. I, I think it happened in Mercury Retrograde, which I did not believe in Mercury Retrograde until this last one, which it's direct now when we're recording this. Blessings. But <laughs> it really... I went through it. Like that all happened then. I had, you know, another like miscommunication thing happen. Like there was a lot of interesting communication technology things happening for me during that time. Mm. And this is one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm also curious with you were saying like the texting job was like the hardest one. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about how not great I am at texting. Like, you know, there are some people that will respond immediately. But for me, I think, you know, part of it might be my design. Part of it is just like me as a human uniquely. But I I start to overthink when I'm gonna respond. Like I'll get the message and I'll be like, I could say this or I could say that. But then what if yes. something what if my other plans change? So then I'm like, oh my God, I don't have 30 minutes to reply to your text message right now, although for somebody else it would be five. So I just don't respond. And it's not that I ignore messages, but like my response time is probably like 12 to 24 hours. Whereas I think there's a lot of people that's like, you know, like one to four. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it, I think part of it too, though, is my upper two arrows point to the left. And I think Katie, yours do too. And these relate to 
people who have a really focused brain process. So the other piece of this is like, if I'm working, I, I mm. have do not disturb on my phone on 24 seven. Like, like there's like two people that can, that are on the special, like they can break through the do not disturb list and like actually call me. But other than that, like it's always, my phone's always on silent because if I get interrupted by somebody asking like, what are your plans this weekend? When I'm in the middle of, I don't know, like writing something, it'll totally throw me off. And so as you're describing this text message job, I'm like, oh my God, I would just not be able to do anything for like that day around the party, you know, because it (laughs) there's so many interruptions. I know. Wow. That is very aligned. That really speaks to me. I've spoken about that with a couple of my friends. My friend, Michelle, she has holisticism that I bet a lot of you know about. And she's also a projector. And we always geek out on projector stuff together because I think we're very similar and we both have ADD. And so I think our projectorness in exactly what you're talking about with distractions, little things can take me off course and then they lead to frustration and burnout. And it doesn't take much, just like you're saying. And so Michelle gave this example where she was saying that she would have to like wake up at like 6 a.m. before Ethan, her partner, woke up to get all of her work done. Because if there was like any sort of just Ethan trying to like say hi, she would be like, well, I'm uh, lost in your thought. I'm out, you know? And I really relate to that. And especially like with partners, I'm either all in or all out. Like it, it's very extreme. And I, I think having like, yeah, I have to have my phone away from me to really get anything done. Writing wise, creativity wise, it's very challenging for me to, to dabble. And, and, you know, I think ultimately like, with all of this stuff, I, I have the tendency to think like we're all that way to an extent. You know what I mean? Like no mm. one's great at code switching and going back and forth and doing a mil- spending a million plates. Like I think in a perfect world, we would all be acting mindfully and doing one thing at a time, but that's not the world we live in. There's so many distractions and our nervous system is really in full swing at all times. And I think these sorts of self-awareness tools that human design can give you is really useful. And, you know, I, I learned from that experience, perhaps don't take on that role. But you're right. Like it it took up a lot of space for me. Like I drafted and redrafted the like the text that you got. Like what'd you think? You know, like that's <laughs> great. That wasn't like a first draft. You know, like I wrote that in notes. And like I actually went to this comedy show a couple months ago in my friend's backyard. And one of the comedians was like it was actually kind of condescending and like, maybe like, you know, he, he was seemed to be a cis white male man. And he was like, you know, girls, I'm like getting into it with my microphone here. Like I'm a comedian. Um, but he was like, do you know that girls text in notes first? They like write texts in notes and copy and paste them. And he, you know, and I got a big laugh and he like, I forget where the joke went from there, but it was really funny. And I was just like, to the people who don't have to do that, like, honestly, blessings to you. I was going to say, fuck you, but like, <laughs> blessings is really Maybe what both. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice, you know? And I'm trying to be, I'm either like, I'll respond right away and fire off a bunch of little, like, blah, 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 blah. Mm. or what's actually really helped me, Victoria. And I, I'm curious if this is something that you've gotten into. And I know you know that I do this voice texting, like voice texting really Mm -hmm. helps me because I 
text messages can be misperceived or like the cadence isn't there and the tone isn't there. So voice texts are really useful for me because they're so much quicker. Like I do all of my correspondence walking. Like I'll leave in the mornings, I'll get a coffee, I'll go on a weirdly long walk. And I don't with my team of this podcast with Ella, every morning we check in on WhatsApp voice texting and 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 with all my friends and and Serena, my co-host of Spiraling, my other podcast, like I just sent her a message of like, okay, let's do she was like, well, what time can you do tomorrow? I can blah 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 blah. Like, you know, 30 to 30 seconds to a minute of like when she's available. And then I was like, all right, let's do noon. And it's just so much easier for me to do that because writing takes me more time and energy. And as we know, as projectors, um, limited time and energy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, energy. Yeah. Well, and I also wonder how much of this relates to you being self-projected as well, mm, right? That like mm-hmm. the more space... So the theme is like... And I'm going to just assume everyone is like familiar with yeah, what, let's, what that all means. Let's just take what a we quick define? pause. Yes. Victoria is here. <laughs> we are getting <laughs> right into it, talking about a concept called human design. And we're going to go high level today. And I want to actually talk about some... We're, we'll get to this. Some parts of human design that are more high level that perhaps you haven't heard about if you're new to human design. So if you're listening and this is your first time here on my podcast, go back and listen to one of my other episodes. I've had several other human design readers on the podcast, including AC Brown, Aaron Claire Jones twice, Jenna Zoe. And I'm so excited to have Victoria on today and get a new fresh perspective. But we're not going to... We have kind of a time crunch. So we're not going to define human design in this week's episode. But Victoria actually has a great podcast herself. I've been on it before. And you, there's a million ways to learn about what human design is. But I'll say this about it. And Victoria, I would love your like one-sentence spiel if you like meet someone on a plane. But what I usually say about human design is it's a system that of all the things, kind of like astrology, because it does use your birth time and place of birth, also feels like a personality test, but of Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and astrology, human design is the system that has made me feel more articulated than anything else. And I've found most useful. And it it is something that, you know, I, I think my episode with AC Brown, we really get into it and kind of the ethics of it and, and where it came from. And so I'll link to that one in the show notes because I think that would be a great one for people who are new to this to listen to. And if you are not new to this or if you are, pull up your human design chart. It's really easy to type in your birth time and place into the computer and get your birth chart. So when we're talking about arrows and centers and colored in or colors or whatever we're getting into today, you might want to have yours pulled up. I have mine pulled up. So that's just my preface. What do you usually say, Victoria, about... And then we'll get right back to where we were. But what's your like... You know, you meet someone on a plane or maybe you, if you really don't want to get into it, you maybe just say like, I'm yeah, a coach. No, but to- what do you, totally, how do you totally. define it? I mean, it just depends on the person. Like, oh my God, the other day I was at the grocery store and someone, it was like some checkout person and he, oh, he saw me wearing a human design shirt and he was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, I, I work with a system called human design. It describes how your energy works. It really sees who you are as a person, kind of like what you said, like you you feel like it's the most resonant system that's worked for you. And it allows us to figure out how to live in flow with our intuition and our energy. That's usually like 
kind of where I'll leave it. Intuition um, and energy. That's so good. Yeah. But that's it. Intuition. That, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. intuition and energy are such good words to attach to it. Totally. And it can still be super abstract, right? Like when I say that, if you still, if you don't know human design, you're like, okay, but what does that mean? So that's where I'll start. And then I might use an example because then that helps ground it a little bit. So like we are both projectors and while we're humans and we have energy to do stuff we want to do, I know for me, if I, I could be doing my favorite thing in the world, but I still get tired and I still really need breaks and rest. Whereas I know I see other people who are different design types and when they're doing their favorite thing, they're like, this is amazing. I could keep going. I don't need to take a pause because I'm so filled up by it. So that's just like a really high level example. Again, must be nice. <laughs> but also that's not actually what the, what I love about human... I'm just joking around. What I love about human design is that we are all different and it's about making it work for you rather... Like what do you have to work with this time around instead of, you know, with the, with, you know, the Enneagram, which I, I love and I find that system useful as well. I'm not as versed in it because I've just spent more time with human design personally, but... My understanding of of Enneagram is that it's kind of about your weaknesses and managing those where my understanding of human design and Victoria, I'd love to correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm not an expert and trained in this like you are, but my understanding of it, which is very limited, is that human design is about working with what you do have to work with this time around in this lifetime and amplifying that and using that most capably, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a lot I want to say in response to that. Cause I actually, I love Enneagram myself as well. And I still, I still see them as having different purposes. Like I almost see them laying together. Like you have your design and then you have your Enneagram and you can have all these different combinations of them. So I see like, maybe you've come across the term conditioning in human design, which is like, yes. and I guess just generally in like the development, personal growth space, like, oh, I'm conditioned to blah, blah, blah. Right. And I see Enneagram as Amongst other things, because it certainly does tell us a lot about where we go in times of stress or quote weaknesses, but it also it can also paint a picture of where we go in integration and wholeness. I got into Enneagram back when I was like a couple years out of college, like pre-Instagram. So I don't know really how people talk about it in the mm-hmm. space anymore. If there's more of an emphasis on the weaknesses, that that might be the case. But I see Enneagram more as like, oh, I have this sort of default way of seeing the world and that leads to certain kinds of conditioning that actually become these, these ways to grow. So there's that. Whereas I see human design, certainly, like I think a huge thing it does for many, many people, myself included, is gets us to embrace who we are naturally and see those things as strengths when we might not always think that they are based on the sort of the, the default paradigm. So again, using projectors as an example, like, oh, I can't maybe work in the same way that I've seen held up as an example. But I would say that it's it's more about like everything you have is neutral. It's not good or bad, but you can learn how to lean into it so that it feels good for you. And that's this, that's like your special thing that you get to offer everyone, whether it's guidance or paving a new way as a manifester or some of the more detailed things like, you know, your gates. Or for you, Katie, one thing that I see so strongly is your fourth line profile, like all the all the time. Like even when we were talking now at the beginning of this conversation, you're like, yeah, just like, you know, we'll, we'll hang out when you're in LA. And then there's this party I'm throwing. I just I see fourth line so gifted at being able to connect in with community. Mm, what does can you talk about the lines and what what does that mean? I, I think you have told me about that one before, but I I'm forgetting and for people to hear. 
Yeah, yeah. So there's a part of your design called profile. So there's type, um, which would be there's five different types. And again, you can I think people can look to other episodes and all of the information that's out on the internet about that. Profile is there's two numbers in in every profile, and it's how we see ourselves, how others see us. It also speaks a little bit to the quote trajectory of our life, how how we actually show up. And so it's like each number kind of has its own archetype. So the fourth line profile is it's about you being really gifted at creating relationships and you see people as like the foundation in your life. Like you really value people. You can be really open-hearted and warm-hearted and just naturally friendly. Like I I find a lot of people will just, they're like, oh yeah, of course I'm friends with so-and-so the fourth line because of just that energy that you exude. And you're really meant to have an impact on your immediate circle. So as a four, six, which is what you are, you, you have that fourth line part of you. And then you are also in that second number showing up as a role model for your community. So that's the, the high level. Oh yeah. I thought that was just being Midwestern, <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I, I think I, I do have that. That's so cool. And what I love about human design is that it's so intricate. You know, there's all these things that like, I am just such a lay person in this and you've studied it, which another projector thing is like going down wormholes and studying things. And so I can see how a lot of projectors are human design readers, although I'm sure there are many people who are are not projectors who are human design readers. Although I believe, I know Aaron Claire Jones and I think AC is also a projector and Jenna, I think all of the ones that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think all of them are. So I, you know, I, which selfishly I, I, I kind of liked because I was like, Oh, it's my, my type, but it's really just like, because it, we as projectors tend to be I always love this analogy that Jenna Zoe gave actually about like looking at the the energy types, which is kind of the most well-known part of human design. It's kind of like your sun sign in astrology. And it's like manifesting generator, generator, reflectors are a very small amount and projectors are more than reflectors, but a pretty small amount. And so she was like the manifestors and manifesting generators are like, if it was the jungle, they're like the animals on the ground, like the cheetahs and the tigers or whatever. And then the reflectors are very rare and they're very reflective. So they're like the dragonflies that you know can kind of give you wisdom and need a lot. They're very delicate. And then projectors are birds and they're kind of seeing everything, clocking everything, and also, you know, a little bit more need more gentleness. And and I always liked that analogy of, of things. And so I think it makes sense that a lot of human design readers are these sorts of, you know, people who can kind of see above and have that sort of interaction with connecting with people and, and noticing patterns. Yeah, totally. So I love that analogy. It was one of the first ones that I came across. And sometimes I'll also put it in the context of like with each of the types, imagine if we were in like a group, you know, thousands of years ago, and we're like all wandering the forest and we all play a different role. And the manifestor is the one that's like, hey, we should camp here tonight. Right. And somehow they just have this energy where other people want to get on board and they can kind of rally and start something in a way where like, I know, and maybe you've had a different experience, Katie is a fourth line, but I know when I've tried to just like, like start a community just because like I want to, like it usually doesn't work out the way that I hope because I wasn't invited, for example. And totally. So, 
you know, the manifestor does that. And then the generators and the MGs that have all this, this life force energy, they hear, oh, cool. Like we're going to build a camp here. I'm so stoked. Like, let me gather firewood and start building and chopping. And like, these are, and it's a very literal example in this case, but these are the, the builders and the creators. Right. And they, they're like, yeah, I want to finish building this house. And they like, don't need a break for lunch. Whereas I know I've like, I've been in projects like that and I'm like, oh my God, when can we stop? So yeah. they're doing that. And then the projectors are seeing this all happen and we're standing and we're saying, Hey, you should do it this way. Why don't you tweak that? Right. Cause we can, we can optimize things. And then the reflector kind of just bounces around all day. And at the end of the night, when we're gathered around the campfire, the reflector is the one that's telling stories about all of us so that we all feel seen and we consider mm. ourselves in a new way. Right. Cause they're bringing that, that unity consciousness. And so that's a more literal example, right. With like, in terms of society, people, that. but that's, yeah, that's how I see our roles with types. So, so good. Thank you for that. I want to get into some of these more, you know, not talking about the energy types today, because I, we've talked about that before. I want to talk about definition and strategy and authority and, and not self-theme and even incarnation cross a little bit. But first, I'd love if you could share. And like I said, Victoria has an amazing podcast. I've been honored to be a guest on it. And her first episode, which I listened to today while I was doing some research, is about her story and how you got into human design. And so you can listen to a more detailed version of that. But I'd love if you could briefly share a little bit about... I know you worked in tech. And I know we unfortunately share not only being a projector, but also uh, history and disordered eating. So I would love if you could talk about how you found human design and when you decided that you wanted to go down the rabbit hole and learn more about it. And then how it's been being a teacher of it. Sure. So I found human design the same year of my Saturn return when I was working in tech and starting to have a bunch of different like physical chronic health issues. At the time, I was like, oh, this is weird. I don't know why this is happening. But now looking back on this, I was just pushing so hard in a way that didn't support the the nerve that I have. And I think there was a time in my journey when I felt sad about being quote so sensitive, right? But now, you know, several years in, I'm like, yeah, this is what I have and it's great. And it feels really, it feels really incredible and like such a gift to be able to explore how to live in alignment with myself and my truth. Like that feels like a a privilege in a way, you know, and it took it took yeah. a while to get here. But anyway, so so I was in tech. I was in different strategy business roles and experiencing these health issues, which I'll say kind of in a in a nutshell was adrenal endocrine burnout stuff. And it got to the point where like I had like no hormones left, wasn't sleeping, had lost my period again. The only other time that had happened was with the disordered eating that I'd had earlier on in like high school, early college. And it was just such a wake up call of like, okay, this is, this is clearly not working. And then I learned I was a projector and it was so validating to hear like, oh, there's nothing inherently wrong with me that I can't keep up, that actually this is how I'm designed and that's okay. And there are actually these gifts involved in being a projector. It just means that you have to be willing to live in a really different way. And so early in my journey, it was like, it, that felt like such a far off reality. Like I couldn't, like, of course I understood conceptually what that would mean, but 
I was like, how do I get from A to Z? Like, I, I don't, I don't even know, but step by step. And again, the health journey was a big piece of forcing me to make some hard decisions. I left tech and I changed how I, how I work, how I relate to work and success. And, you know, some of these big, big life questions. And I would, I mean, by no means have I figured it out, but I have given myself a lot more space to rest on a day-to-day basis. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing how supportive it is. So I guess fast forwarding to now, I mean, I didn't, I didn't necessarily make a deliberate choice like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a human design coach, but it was just something where I felt like it had given so much to me. And all I wanted to do was share it with people that were also equally excited or interested or curious. And along the way, each step I've been met with invitations, right? Like for example, the, the group program I have where I train other coaches on human design and how to use it and support their clients. Like that was an invitation. It wasn't even an idea that I had myself, but I had people in my circle that that asked me, like, can you, can you do this? Because human design is amazing. I know my own design and I would love to learn about others because there's, you know, there's other people in my practice that I want to support. Or if you're not a coach, there's also, you know, people that just want to support their friends and family and that kind of thing. So it's evolved really organically. I love that so much. And Congratulations. Like, I'm so happy that that's how it's shaken out for you. And, like I was saying in one of your recent podcasts, you spoke about waiting for the invitation and you were talking about ease and things being hard and ease. And I, and I would love if you could, could elaborate on that a little bit. But also, when you mentioned the invitations, you know, waiting for an invitation as a projector, that's, I think, a thing that in that sign, just like people think of, or in that type, people think often of Taurus in astrology as being stubborn, right? Like that's a, that's kind of like a a stereotype almost. I think the one for projectors is this waiting for the invitation thing. It's, it's like in, in the world of human design, not in the world in general, but in the world of human design, I think sort of well known. And, and something that I hadn't heard before that you really, that clicked into place from your podcast and that you, I think we're alluding to here is the size of the invitation doesn't matter. And you gave Mm -hmm. an example just now about how when you were starting with this, you know, you got some momentum just by like invitations coming, even if they were small and following them as a sign that you were moving directionally correct. And, And I really liked that. And I think that perhaps speaks to the ease you were talking about. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good... So ease versus, I don't know, challenge, difficulty, struggle. It's something that comes up all the time in in the conversations I have with people about human design, like in readings and coaching, because I think what brings a lot of us to human design is this, oh, wow, like I can navigate life in a way that feels better for me than maybe I have where I've been pushing or, you know, striving on the other hand, and this is where like you'll you'll probably hear me pause as I like have all these thoughts running through my mind because growing and expanding and you know up leveling is a really popular term right now. It's it's not always easy. Like it can feel really uncomfortable sometimes. So it's something that I spend time thinking about and talking to people about. And I never 
I think I struggle with it sometimes because I don't want to mislead people that, hey, you like learn your design and just sit around and you wait for the invitation and then it's like all... And I don't even want to say rainbows and butterflies because I think everybody just says that to kind of toss it aside. Like, I want to acknowledge that there's a very real compelling point that drew like myself too to human design where I thought, oh, great, like things can be easier than they have been. And that's true in a way. But I've also, especially, I mean, even in the last few months, had really challenging moments where it's like, Ooh, am I going to make that really tough choice to like not work this afternoon because I, because I don't have the energy to, and I can hear all the voices and conditioning screaming, like have to, you're going to fail if you don't, you're lazy, other people are getting ahead. So there's also, there's also that. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but those are some, yeah. <laughs> some thoughts around ease versus challenge. And I think the other, the other point too, was, you know, just when you were starting it, I think you gave the example that like, it was just someone who you didn't think would naturally ask about human design, asked about human design. And you were like, okay, there's an invitation. Mm. And, and then that snowballed and you kept going. And I think that's like how simple invitations can be. And I think for people listening, whether you're a projector or not, like sometimes it's just like, I just need that little thing. Like we'll call it an invitation, but sometimes it's like, like yesterday I had a really good day and Mm. I don't think it's unrelated to the fact that when I woke up, I checked my phone and I had something that made me really happy on my phone. And I don't, again, outside, I should be able to like get this from the inside, blah, 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 as we know, but it gave me some momentum and it made me feel good. And I think it made my day better. And so I think the more of those that we can have or pay attention to or notice for ourselves or create for ourselves, we live within society and we live, we don't live in a vacuum. And so we can all day talk about our human design and talk about what's correct for us. But we live in capitalism and we live in a world that's like dealing with a pandemic and we live with all of these justice issues happening, climate change. And I think within that, we have to notice that we are a part of the whole and create as many systems that help us and the thing that helps us create those systems is self-awareness, which human design can help with. Yeah. Yeah. And what you shared in that example was the invitation is more about how you feel inside than it is about somebody literally inviting you, right? Like it feels so good for us as projectors to be seen and someone to say like, I appreciate you. What you said was so helpful or what you shared was so had an impact on me as opposed to somebody being like, Katie, tell me what you think, because they might ask you for your advice, but then when you see them not really take it in, or that doesn't feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then actually this is reminding me of when you were talking about earlier with the, the birthday party invitations. Um, <laughs> I just want to make it super clear. Cause I think sometimes it's easy to read the words, wait for the invitation, but interpret it or, or not know kind of where the nuance is. And like, in that case, it's like, oh, cool. It, to me, at least, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were doing this for a friend, somebody, you know, like this role, people wanted you to do it. So like, yeah, that's all good, right? It was totally obviously fine for you to be inviting a bunch of people. Like, I, I just don't, I want to make that clear for anyone that's maybe newer yeah. and like, wait, so I can't, I can't invite totally. my friend over? Of, cor- of course yeah, you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good distinction. Thank you. Yeah, or even like, sorry, just to add, um, oh, please, you know, like you inviting people onto your podcast, right? Like, right, right. You're for all projectors, it's like you, 
you don't have to have an invitation to do the things that you're naturally good at or that like you see differently. So like I would say podcasting is like a thing of yours, right? So you don't need people, you're not supposed to like sit there powerless in the corner hoping someone notices you. But like let's say you invite a few people and one invitation feels so good and the person writes, or sorry, you sending out that email feels so good and the person writes back and they're like, oh my gosh, I'd love to, blah, blah, blah. Like that's your invitation, right? Like you feel that there's that openness and they value the conversation versus somebody that ignores your email. And if they do, that's fine. There's just no invitation, which is Mm -hmm. great, but it doesn't mean that you should not take action in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a good distinction. Thank you for that. This week's episode is brought to you by Prisoner Wine. Wine is like fine art. It can be good, it can be bad, and every once in a while, it can be truly transcendent. Introducing the Prisoner Wine Company. The Prisoner Wine Company insists on doing things differently. Like 20 years ago, when they decided to combine some of California's best and most unusual grape varieties to make a bold and complex blend, aka their namesake wine, the Prisoner Red Blend. From the shape and weight of the bottle to the label, every detail is striking and memorable. We love striking and memorable. The wine is smooth, rich, and approachable. We love approachable here. And now the Prisoner Wine Company will ship all of their rule-bending blends like the Prisoner Red Blend, the Prisoner Chardonnay, and the Thon Moreau direct to your door. I love this wine. I've been drinking it. It's really great. My friends like it. I think you all will really like it too. The Prisoner is one of Napa Valley's most recognized red blends and the Prisoner Wine Company has been featured in Wine Spectacular, Forbes, and Food and Wine. You have to experience these wines for yourself. Try one bottle and you will taste and see that the Prisoner Wine Company is good. I think you're really going to like it. Go to theprisonerwine.com slash let it out for 20% off plus shipping included on your first purchase. Get it in time for the holidays. This is the best deal they have available. Get 20% off plus shipping included at theprisonerwine.com slash let it out. That's theprisonerwine.com slash let it out. Offer valid on first-time online orders only for U.S. residents of legal drinking age through 12-31-2021. Other exclusions may apply. Please enjoy wines responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Away. Away is a modern lifestyle brand that creates thoughtful products for every traveler and every kind of trip. They started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make traveling more seamless. And now when travel looks different than ever before, you can count on Away's range of suitcases, bags and accessories whenever you need to take a trip. I love traveling. I miss traveling as much as I was traveling, but I'll say this, I was traveling a lot and I got pretty damn good at it. And I think a lot of that is because of my suitcase choice. I love to have a carry-on and I really, really like Away 
bags. I got one as a present for someone I was dating years ago and was jealous and ended up getting one myself. And I'm so grateful to have it, whether it's a trip to the corner store, a weekend away, or an extended stay with friends and family. We're all navigating the current reality of travel, but no matter what your destination or your style, away suitcases, bags, and accessories come in all different colors, sizes, and materials to suit your needs and inspire your future travels. All of the suitcases will last a lifetime. They're durable. Their exteriors are able to withstand even the toughest baggage handlers. That's something I really love. I'm not really gentle with my belongings. I'm gentle with myself, but not my things. Every suitcase comes with an interior organization system that includes built-in compression pad to help you pack more in and a hidden and removable laundry bag, which I really, really love that you can put your dirty clothes in. Gross. You don't want to put your dirty clothes in with your clean clothes. Trust me. And it has these 360 degree spinner wheels that make a really smooth roll around the most hectic airports. I've had to do a lot of rushing in my day. And let me tell you, the Away suitcase comes right with me. It's available in many different colors and materials and sizes. Away products are designed to last a lifetime. And that really is important to me. I don't want to contribute to waste if we don't need it. There's also a 100-day trial on everything that Away makes. So take the product on the road, live with it, travel with it, even get lost for 100 days. And if you decide it's not for you, you can return it. And I think that's really, really cool. No ifs, ands, or asking more questions. They will just take it back. So there's literally nothing to lose. Away offers free shipping and returns on any orders in the US, the UK, Europe, and Canada. Start your 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com slash let it out. That's awaytravel.com slash let it out. Thank you so much, Away. I'm curious what part of human design right now, like today, this week, this month, is most interesting to you or that has been most helpful to you? Maybe a story you can tell about you or, or a client. Yeah. There's a few that come to mind. I have one, one of the gates in my chart is about having a lot of ideas. And I have mm. that gate four times. So like, <laughs> I just get so many ideas and I like don't know where to start. But I'll name off a couple and maybe you can tell me which if there's one that's jumping out to you. Oh, great. So, <laughs> so I just my birthday was a few days ago and yes I sat happy down. birthday thank you and so there's something in human design called a, well I guess it kind of exists in astrology too although I'm not a deep astrology person so for anyone listening I might if I say something off about astrology my bad sorry in advance mm-hmm. but within human design there's something called a solar return and so you basically look at that's different what, than a Saturn return Correct. Yeah. Okay. So Saturn return happens when you're, you know, 29, 28, 29-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it happens every time Saturn goes around. So you get maybe like three Saturn returns in a lifetime. Solar okay. return is every every year on your birthday. Essentially. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And so when you look at, you can look at your solar return and when it's going to be different, like 
from your birth chart, right? So like my solar return in 2021 is not the exact same chart that I was born with, you know, 30 plus years ago. And so what, when you look at the differences, you can see that the transits, it's sort of like similarly in astrology, if certain planets are in different places, they'll have a different impact on you, right? Mm -hmm. So you can look to that to see where you'll feel pressure, like to act in certain ways, maybe in a given year. And so one thing that's been really so I know this is going a little deep, but so I was looking at this for myself for 2022, essentially from now and, and through next year, next October. And it was interesting to see, to look at my solar return from last year and kind of like retroactively look at what pressure did I feel? Because I have an undefined G center, which is all about identity. Um, you have a defined G center. That's like the classic part of being a self-projected projector is like, you have this consistent access to who am I? Whereas for me, I'm like, I don't know, like my sense of humor changes around different people, the hobbies and activities I'm into, like it's all more malleable. Mm -hmm. And then also I had pressure on my ego center, which is all about like competition and empowerment and value and a sense of self-worth. So that was like one thing that might be a little, a little complex. The other thing though, that I've have been thinking about a lot the last couple of years is just being a six line profile, um, which I know you are too. And this, so that's this, this number in the corner. Mine says three six. What does that mean? That second number, the six, is this the six line profile. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what it, define the profile and then what the the six line means. So the profile. This is the part where like, well, there's different groups of profiles. So. You can fall into a group where you're here to really live out your purpose by discovering something about yourself and how you learn about the world. And, and that's how you really feel like, yeah, I'm, this is what I'm contributing, right? Mm -hmm. And you're in your own process. And then there's another group of profiles that's here to see our impact on other people. So like my profile as a 6-2, the 6 comes first. And so I, I'm really seeing myself as somebody that needs to to be the role model for others to have an impact on others. So that's a little bit about kind of like how profile fits in and also what I was saying before around it's how these different numbers have different archetypes. But I'd be curious which one do you feel more like? If you feel more like a 36 versus a 46? Can you um, explain them again? Yeah, totally. So the third line is here you're here to learn about life by trying everything out yourself. So there's this very strong theme of like trial and error, experimentation. Like I think of it as like rolling up your sleeves and kind of like getting in the mud a little bit. And yeah. there's this element of people can't tell you what to do. It's like you have to find it out for yourself. So that's the third line. I mean, in both cases, yeah. you still have the six as the second number. The fourth line is being that that people person, like great at building Net community networks, relationships, you tend to get really great opportunities through your network. So it's like you can see, you know, oh, this person would be great to connect with that person. Or, you know, I got introduced to this, this person, and then this collaboration happened. So it's like a lot is based on those relationships that you cultivate. Right. Now, the third line might resonate because as a sixth line, we spend the first 30 years of our life as if we were a third line. And then what happens is we move into the second phase of our life after Saturn return. And that's when we actually become six lines. So we get into the second phase where it feels like we can kind of pull back and we don't need to be trying everything out anymore. 
we can almost kind of like relax a little bit and then observe everybody else and what's going on. But then the third phase is after around 50, we transition off um, the sort of more detached place. And we're, we're kind of back in, in more involved in, in the world. And people actually see us as role models because we've integrated everything from the first part of our life. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the sixth thing resonates because I feel like, yeah, that's just something yeah. that I hope is true. Um, (laughs) is in the future. But yeah, I mean, I think I might be on the cusp or like you said, both, I just don't know enough yet because both of those things are true because I'm barely out of my Saturn return. But yeah, I feel like I am someone who kind of has to try everything on, but I'm feeling less like that. And and obviously community and my network is a big part of my life and something that does come naturally to me and has become one of the things I really value about the life I've created for myself is the network of people that I have. Totally. Community. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting maybe just to hear how that evolves for you as you sit with your design and live your life. Yeah. But so the, the six line thing to answer the, the original question, I keep coming back to that because for almost all six lines I know, it's like our Saturn return is particularly gnarly because it really marks this huge transition where there's almost this death and rebirth of like who I was is no longer who I was. Because essentially in human design, you're going from being, in my case, a 3-2 or in your case, either a 3-3 or a 3-4 profile into finally being, um, in my case, like a 6-2 or finally being, well, just, I'm just going to go with 4-6 for now. And it's like, oh, this is who I kind of knew I always was all along, but I just, I wasn't there yet. And in human design, Saturn return is when we become adults, you know, technically, legally, it's like 18 or whatever it is, right? But in human design, there's this idea that we've evolved, like our consciousness as humanity and like who we, maybe not who we are is the right term, but like our energetic technology has evolved. And so we're no longer becoming adults at an earlier age back, you know, a few hundred years ago. Now we're becoming adults in 28, 29, 30. And I feel like I feel like we see that even sort of at a more social level. Like I wasn't, didn't you interview someone on your podcast recently about being 30 yes. and milestones? Yes, Kayleen yeah. Schaefer. And she wrote this book called But You're Still So Young about these markers a sociologist yes. created about what you should have done by the time you're 30. And, you know, they're really outdated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we see even like those things evolving because we're becoming more complex as humans, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So my point with that was um, sometimes I have these funny analogies that pop into my head. And one of them, it's almost like being a six line profile is sort of like being the ugly duckling. And I don't want to make Mm -hmm. that sound like a bad thing, or it's like, we're actually a swan, but we don't know we're a swan because we're living like third lines with all the ducks, right? And all the yeah. ducks. Are, I think I think I'm getting the story right. And everyone's like, "What's wrong with you? Why can't you, you know, figure it out?" And then it's like, "Oh!" And then I enter this other phase where I actually recognize who I am, and it's so much better than trying to be something else. Totally. Oh, that's like making me emotional and very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So those are a couple things. I know I just went off pretty long. No, I love that. <laughs> I want to really talk about the the arrows. And there's one thing that I, I want to talk about with you in particular, because I know that you are a non-specific manifester and I'm a specific manifester. And my friend Crystal mm-hmm. is 
a manifester, manifesting type. generator, I think type. Yeah. Yes. And okay. she is a specific manifester and we, this is like so vulnerable, but here we are. She and my friend, and maybe you can tell me why, but I have looking at my chart, I have nothing on the bottom, like all the bottom four open and one that's like in the middle kind of. And then I have the top four colored in and I'm not, you can probably tell me more about what that means, but I know that that means I'm pretty like open and receptive and I'm not like, basically I've had several people tell me that I'm not very good at manifesting. <laughs> and Oh no. <laughs> and, she was like, I think it would be really good. And I'm kind of not like I'm good at manifesting for other people, but I am a specific manifester. So Crystal's helping me do. And she's like, I think I can manifest you a boyfriend. And my friend Maria <laughs> and her are both like working on it. And it's so sweet and cool. But we're doing like this film club where we're watching these films and talking about them. And it's just really fun. But we're world building because I have this like construct in my head about what I think I want. That's like not even true. And it's like all kind of wishy-washy and open. And I'm like, eh, maybe this person, maybe, you know, and I'm actually a specific manifester. And so, you know, having this conversation with her in the context of human design has been really illuminating. So I'm just curious, kind of talking that out with you about what that means about the open centers and manifestation, as well as there's an, for people listening, it's the arrow on the top left, I think. Is that right? That tells you if you're specific or non-specific? The, it's the bottom right. Bottom right. Okay. <laughs> so, I was super wrong. The bottom right. Good. If the but bottom right is pointing left, then yes. you're a specific manifester, which I am, and you are mm -hmm. not. Correct. I'm, I'm the arrow pointing the other way. Okay. Wait. So first of all, I just want to like really clearly say that everybody can be equally good at manifesting regardless of your design. That feels Love that. important. Yes. <laughs> and, I also think, and I also, this is my personal belief, feel like the more you live your design, the better you are at manifesting. Because what does that mean? You're just essentially the most you you are. Yeah. And so of course, like the more you, you are, more things that are aligned for you will find their way into your field. Yeah. Right. Versus like, uh, and manifesting such a loaded term, but you know, if you're trying to be someone else, like you could quote manifest from like this pushing place, but like you might not be getting those things because they're not actually what the universe wants for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's that, and it, you don't want to manifest from your ego. Like I, I've tried that, or I'm not not consciously, mm -hmm. but I've been like, oh, I just want this person to like me back, but it's just my ego wanting to be chosen. You know, that's mm -hmm. all it is. Yeah. As for okay, so. The other part of your question, just in terms of like you and manifesting, I'm curious why, because you said like, oh, I feel like I'm wishy-washy, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you have a sense of where that comes from? I don't know if that's answerable, but like, so with the boyfriend example, right? Like, mm -hmm. is it that you're like, oh no, I'm like really open to like whatever different attributes or is there something else to it? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm sure. Hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. That's a good question. Yeah. I wonder how much of it is. So here's the other thing that's coming to mind right now is like, just because our minds want it to be the time doesn't mean that it is the time necessarily. And I wonder if part of it is a possible reframe is like, maybe you're 
open to what that list looks like for manifesting in a partner because you actually haven't experienced what qualities, like you haven't necessarily met someone who's like, oh yeah, like that's what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah, that feels correct. Yeah. Cause like I'm thinking about, for example, a a couple of years ago when I was manifesting a home with my former partner and like, he's, he's specific and he was like, I know what I want things to look like. And he had this, we had this spreadsheet of like all these different characteristics. And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally going along with it. But I hadn't actually felt it in my body. And this kind of goes to maybe like expanders as a concept, which I I know you've had Lacey on your podcast before too. So we were trying to manifest this next home for, I don't know, maybe like a year and a half. And, you know, we'd seen all these places and like thought really hard about it. And I was doing all the, you know, using all the tools that people are familiar with. But it wasn't until I stayed in this really beautiful Airbnb with friends and like for a getaway weekend. And I felt in my body like, oh, this is really nice. Like, yeah, I could, I could do this. And so that doesn't necessarily have to do with, I mean, there's a little bit of a connection to specific, non-specific, but I think it can be helpful for anyone, regardless of which way your arrow points to have that experience. Yeah. Be expanded. Yeah. Yeah. And not just expanded, like mentally, because I, you know, like had all the, had all the lists and pictures and whatever, but like the felt experience mm. of it. And that's just what it did, did it for me. Like it doesn't, I'm sure there's lots of different ways to get to that point, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. So, so in terms of the other part though, so your undefined centers at the bottom of your chart, does yeah, that what play does a role? What does undefined center mean? Yeah. So where you're colored in is referred to as defined. And sometimes people will hear open and then they think colored in centers are closed. That's not right. Think of it as like you're defined, you're you're sending this energy out, right? Undefined is where ever you have white centers and this openness allows a few different things to happen. It allows you to take in energy from the people or the environment around you. And it also allows you to feel that energy and then amplify it as if, and this isn't literally what's happening, but I visualize it as like, for example, as a projector with your sacral center undefined, you can take in sacral energy and it's almost this like mirrored chamber where that energy is, is getting magnified. What's sacral energy? The sacral center is one of the nine centers in your chart. And about 70% of the population, so the generators and the manifesting generators have consistent access to this energy. Mm. So this is the center that allows them to keep doing what they enjoy. And it doesn't mean that they necessarily are working all the time for some people who really love what they do for work, like that's true. But for other generators or MGs, it could be oh my gosh, I could play with my kids all day. They're like, oh my gosh, I could dance around all day. Cause like, I love doing that. Right. And I know for me, like I can dance around for a while, but then I, then I need to rest. Right. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how the undefined centers play a role in your manifesting, it's almost like hard to, to summarize it all. Cause each of the centers is so different, but with your undefined root at the bottom, for example, this is where you can pick up pressure. So you're sensitive to you can be around other people that are putting pressure on you, or maybe there's like a deadline and it can feel like, oh, that's like, you really feel it. Right. Yeah. And that can lead to a sense of like, oh, I got to run around and do all these things. Cause I just want to get rid of this pressure and then I'll finally be free. And that might, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess it's just a question for you. If, 
that feels like that's something that plays a role in the manifesting, like a pressure to need to to manifest. Maybe, yeah. There's a yeah. desire, I think, too, but yeah, some things maybe. Yeah. So there's the sacral, the root. I mean, before we get to the other centers, like I just want to think about like what would be helpful to talk about. So there's, I think, a piece around like being specific. Was that part mm-hmm. of the the question? Yeah. Like how I'm curious. Yeah. That, how that plays. Okay. So this is interesting because I know, so there's human design, right? And if you look at the original way the information was channeled, a lot of it is like very, very dense, very esoteric. And so when you see people talking about human design on spaces like Instagram, for example, a lot of the time it's an interpretation of the information. And so this manifestation arrow, the reason why it's spoken about in this way is that arrow refers to how your mind orients to the environment around you. It's like, how does your mind's eye perceive the environment around you? Mm. And so if that one interpretation is like, oh, well, that's how we manifest, right? Because we've got to use our mind to relate to what's outside of us. But it's not strictly about manifestation. And so another way to talk about this arrow of yours pointing to the left is that the way you, and this is going to get a little abstract. So let me know if this is landing, but Mm -hmm. the way you see things is more focused. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that you quote, have, have to be like super detailed about how you manifest. It can also be, I'm playing a more active, like I'm, I'm reaching for the thing as opposed to just like being totally surrendered, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking more about what you were sharing with, (laughs) with manifesting. Yeah. 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 Well, so here's a question for you. What feels good about this whole manifesting process right now? Like, I know you said you were like watching the movies with your friends and all these things. Like, I think it's fun to, to just, dream and talk about and like feel I feel very supported you know I feel like Mm -hmm. it wasn't my idea it feels very supportive like having you know someone saying like you're not alone in this like we're gonna we're Mm -hmm. doing like having we you know it feels it feels very supportive and kind and and not like I'm floating and I like that part of it best connection what's coming up for me as you said that is what you just described feels like a more specific process or a more left process because you are actively saying like, I want to manifest, I want to do these things. And then there's like the you being self-projected piece here too, where you're like, my favorite part is I get to like talk it out with people. Yeah, totally. And so it's like, maybe you don't, something that I see really a lot with the specific manifestors is this fear or FOMO of like, oh my God, I don't know exactly what I want to manifest. Like, am I screwed? And it's like, no, it's okay. Like you just, you know, exactly as much as you need to know in this moment. And then you keep living your life and you're having experiences. And then that adds to your clarity, right? But you can't mess it up. And so I think looking at the different parts of your chart that come together, it's like, oh, I'm going to say you're a four six because I also pulled you up on a different site and I see you as a four Mm -hmm. six again. Like you're tapping into your community and feeling supported by people, and then you're getting to talk it out, and like all these different things are fitting into your own discovery process of manifesting a partner. So there's that. There's also so some of your other undefined centers, like the ah, there's a lot of different directions we could go with this. So like you have an undefined emotional center, and 
this allows you to be sensitive to other people's emotions. And so thinking about like, what is your emotional truth in terms of who, who you want to manifest in or what qualities you want to manifest in? How does that all fit together? Mm. I think and this might be sort of like a little bit forced, like square peg round hole. But I think the question here would be like, knowing that you do have an undefined emotional center, it would be important for you to have a partner that can understand you're emotionally sensitive and that maybe it might be hard sometimes to be in conflict where, or in confrontation where you have to know exactly how you feel in the given moment. Like it might take some processing yes. to know, yes. you know? That has um, been an issue. So that's in more the about past. like, yeah. And that relates to attachment styles and stuff too, right? Cause yeah. it's like, well, if you need to break, but then the other person's like, oh my God, if you leave, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> like, right. like that can spiral real quickly, right? Totally. So, yeah. So there's that. There's a quick thing and there could be more that comes up in reflecting. Yeah. And then with your undefined ego center, so that small triangle in the middle, it's like, you're not meant to consistently like will things to happen. Instead, the gift is you can be really sensitive to an empathetic, like, Sometimes you can feel super confident and empowered. And then other times, you know what it's like to feel like, oh my gosh, I, I don't even know like what's the value of things. Like, and I guess in terms of partnership, you know, what do I have to offer? Like that person's so cool. Like, are they even gonna like me? Like those are some yeah. questions that might come up. Yeah. So these are just, I think with the undefined centers, it's more it's more about you, right? And like how you feel this energy, what might be different shadows or or insecurities that come up? And then how does that play into the qualities that you would want in a partner to understand about you and, and be yeah. able to communicate with you about? Thank you for sharing all of that. That was so illuminating and, and interesting. And, it, and I think this conversation really just goes to show like how intricate this is and how we can you know, tailor this to be whatever it is that we want it to be. One thing that I haven't heard much about that maybe you can... There's two things that I want to end with that you can maybe just give us like a little sentence about definition and incarnation cross. Could you talk about those two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definition will refer to essentially how the centers in your charts are grouped together. So there's like single definition, which means all of the colored in centers are connected by lines or, or channels. And then there's split triple split and quad split. And then if you're a reflector, you'll technically have no definition because everything, there's no colored in centers. And the more groups of centers you have, or the more splits you have, it's like you have these distinct voices. So both you and I are what's called a simple split, where we have two different groups of centers and then somebody else, if they had just this one gate would connect us. And so again, there's, it's neutral, it's not good or bad, but the experience of this is sometimes around people that bridge my splits that provide that gate, it feels so, so good to be around them because all of a sudden it's like, everything's kind of linked up. It means that sometimes with certain decisions, it's like there's different voices and I'm, I'm not quite sure, even though I'm, I'm a splenic authority, for example, I could, I could make a decision spontaneously. Sometimes I still like to take my time. And authority is how you make decisions for people listening. Yeah, exactly. It's like your specific flavor of intuition. And so if you're triple split, for example, or or quad split, 
you have even more different voices and especially triple splits like to be around lots of different people because you get different hookups essentially. So I know a lot of triple splits, for example, that have struggled in pandemic because they're like, oh, I only see the same like two people. And I feel like Mm. I'm only getting to access these two versions of myself, whereas normally I access like 10 different versions of myself, right? It's interesting. It's definitely a little bit deeper of a concept if you're just coming to human design, like definitely don't feel like you have to know all these different pieces, but knowing your definition can give a little insight into like, oh, why does it feel like I'm like different versions of myself sometimes and having compassion for that too and supporting yourself. Oh, I love that. And then incarnation cross is it's the four most important gates that you have in your chart. And the reason why that is, is if you look at your chart, you'll see there's the different astrological symbols in our incarnation cross. It's the gates that our sun and our earth are in. So sun and earth are obviously very important influences on us. And so this makes up about 70% of how we express our design. And for the for the like nerdier listeners out there who like to know why, it's because we get our our design from the neutrinos streaming through the atmosphere, and the sun makes up about seventy percent of the neutrinos in our in our atmosphere. So, incarnation cross is really, in terms of like what to do with it. Most of the time, I tell people like you don't have to do anything. You don't even really need to think about it too hard because you'll naturally live it out when you're following your strategy and authority. So. If, you know, when you're living as a projector and deciding which invitations you want to co-create and say yes to and no to. I love that. Yeah. What's one thing that you've been learning or contemplating or something that's been on your mind or a piece of advice that's been useful for you lately? I mean, I'm definitely still in the in the learning, in the lessons, receiving the lessons of this. I'm learning how to trust my rest and creation cycles. And also moving away from the word work as in terms of what I refer to what I do as, but instead just creating. And it's such a basic one. And I've gone through, you know, spirals of this on the the spiral healing path, but I'm in another round of it right now. And it's interesting to see how real sometimes that fear can be. And I think, again, as a splenic authority, I tend to be a little more wired towards feeling some of this primal survival stuff maybe than than others. But I guess I'll say like, this is where I've been practicing living my design too and feeling the challenge in order to find the ease where it's like, oh, it's really challenging right now to trust that if I don't have the energy to do something, it's just not the time for it to be done. But I make a choice and I'm like, okay, not going to do this right now. And then I'm 99% of the time surprised that a day or a few days or a week later, all of a sudden I I just have the energy to do it and it gets done effortlessly. So that's what I've been working on. And maybe that's helpful to some other folks listening. Yeah. I think just coming back to gentleness and listening to ourselves. I I was listening to this other projector podcast recently and I didn't know that that existed. And I just want to say for people listening, like this might go totally over your head because you're new to human design and maybe you've already tuned out by now, but I highly recommend there are so many resources, including Victoria's work with a practitioner of human design and learn about it. I think it's such a tremendous way to like connect with someone and, you know, treat yourself to that, but also like 
there's so much out there to research. Like there's literally a podcast for projectors. I'm sure there's so many for every type, but on this one that I was listening to for projectors, she was saying like, yeah, I don't know if there'll be an episode next week because I don't know if I'm going to feel like it basically. And she was so gentle with herself of like, you know, I don't, I don't know. And, and I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, if, you know, the, the way our structures have failed us or changes in our, you know, constructs from everything from, from gender to, you know, health insurance of like seeing things differently. Right. And I, I think there's just so much gentleness that we can apply that is really become my anchor. And, and I think speaks to your point. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, we're the only ones that can do that for ourselves at totally. the end of the day. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your life right now? Wow. Good question. I So right now it is fall in the desert here and... I've never really lived in this weather before. I mean, I've had like nice California Indian summers as they're called, but I've been really enjoying how it feels brisk in the morning, but then it still gets like mid seventies during the day. And I'll go to the Creek and do a cold plunge Mm. and then come out and just, I don't know if you are able to like, I don't know. You grew up like by, by the lakes, right? It's like that cold on the skin, but like warming up in the sun feeling just feels like such a gift. Mm, that sounds really nice. Is there a quote or mantra that you go back to or something that's been useful to you that sticks out? I know it's hard to be put on the spot. Mm, well, it's always changing. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, whatever one happens to need to be in my life at that moment, we'll just pop pop up in, you know, synchronistic ways. But I've been saying to myself, let what is meant to go, go and let what's meant to come, come. Um, that's something I've been repeating to myself recently. I love that. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, what is meant for you will not pass you. Right. And to do that, you got to make space, you know, let mm-hmm. go of some things. Uh, well, I could talk to you forever. Let's just check briefly on, I, I did put this on Instagram. If we got any human design questions that maybe you could just quick fire. Oh, we did. One person, this is a friend of mine. She said, the guy who invented it still gets me. Well, you know what? Listen to my episode um, with AC because she talks about that. Okay. This is the uh, question. Why are most generated? Can I, sorry, can I? Can I chime in on that though? Yeah, please. I haven't listened. Sorry, I haven't listened to the episode with AC, so I'm not sure. I would love your thoughts about, on that. Yeah, yeah, please. It's something that I, yeah. So I'll just say this is where I'm at with teachers and quote gurus, because I also have a yoga background, and pretty much like every yogi has had some sort of sexual scandal that, you know, I've like whose, whose lineage and traditions I really benefited greatly from. And so what I want to say about that is I'm at the point where I don't need my, teachers to be humans that perfectly align with my values today. It's almost like getting to that point where like in my relationship with my parents, it's like at first you're like, oh my God, when you're really little, right? You're like, oh my gosh, they're perfect. And then you become a teenager and you're like, oh my God, they're such hypocrites or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you get to that point when you're like, oh, they're just human and they did some good things and they also did some really human things and it's all good. And I don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
And it doesn't mean that we accept things that are not okay by today's standards, but it's just, yeah, that's what I want to say about it. And I've, I've listened to original raw material where I'm like, oh, that was really racist, you know, yeah. um, when he's talking about like the I Ching or whatever. And there's a part of me that can feel hurt, but I'm also not like, I can't deal with this person, you know, like yeah. to be able to hold both. I think it relates to this other question we got, which says, why are most people generators? Doesn't that play into capitalism and working for corporations? Do you have any thoughts on that? Such a good question. Yeah, such a good question because it's the sacral energy has been co-opted by capitalism. And I am guilty of this too, in terms of the examples that I use sometimes to talk about sacral energy, where it's like, you know, even in this conversation, it's like, oh, you could like work 10 hours a day. But at the end of the day, like what sacral energy is about is not only working, it's life force energy. So it's it's like a dog that's like, I have energy today and I want to go out on a run and I want to go in the forest and I want to sniff around. Like those things don't have to inherently generate money. And so it's actually a big piece of, it's a big responsibility of all of us within the human design space to talk about sacral energy, not as just work energy, although it can be. It's also really important to say, like, for example, you can use your sacral energy to, to dance around and journal and whatever it is that you enjoy. So that's another aspect of, of sacral energy. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so grateful for you and everything that you shared. And let's take a deep breath together. Mm. Inhale. Let it out. Ah. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thanks so much, Katie. Thank you so much for being here. It means so much. If you like this episode, share it with a friend and maybe dive into the archives and follow Victoria on social media and check out her podcast. Like I said, in this episode, I was a guest. So if you're more curious about human design or curious about my chart, that episode is linked and you can listen to us talking even more over there. And if you want to support the show, support the sponsors, it really does help. And like I said, my right kit is 50% off just for the month of October with the code October. So a couple more days if you want to get it. I would love it if you reached out to me on Instagram with any questions. It's let it out with three T's on Instagram, or you can follow me. They're both me, to be honest, but it's just my name at Katie Dilbaugh. And of course, follow Victoria. And to let us know you're listening all the way to the end, the emoji this week is the star, the star. Let us know you're listening to the very, very bitter end of this podcast by commenting the star on her Instagram, on my Instagram, and that'll be our little secret code. Grateful that you're here means so much every single week that you listen. We'll probably take a break for the holidays in a couple of weeks, but more episodes coming out. If you have any feedback on the show or anyone you want to see on the podcast, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at let it out with three T's just really happy you're here and happy to connect with you on the internet elsewhere. And I'll talk to you soon.